This is Around the League from UGASports.com. I am Dane Young, along with the head coach, Jim Donnan, and Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. This is the show where we talk about the SEC and the weekend that is to come in the conference with college football. This is uh, brought to you by Lane's Barbecue, the sauces and rubs. They make it right here in Bethlehem, Georgia. Georgia-made products. It's going to make your tailgate better than everyone else's, and you can get 15% off right now by entering the promo code GODOG. That's G-O-D-A-W-G-S. That's Lane's Barbecue. I've been telling you about their Spellbound. I've been using it on my chicken at home, and I promise you you're going to want it as well. We'll tell you more about Lane's a little bit later in the show. We're also presented by Connor Grading and Landscaping based in Monroe, Georgia. If you want to see some of the best front yards and landscaping done in the area in Northeast Georgia, go check out their Facebook page. That's Connor Grading and Landscaping. And that's approved by Brent Rollins himself because his yard was set up by them. We'll have him tell you more about that also later in the show. Guys, I want to get straight into what we saw from week one in the SEC. And coach, most impressive team, most impressive player. Yeah, I got to go with a tie here because you got the number one and number two teams in the country. Uh, roll Tide and Go Dogs. I mean, uh, just a very great uh, football game by both of these two teams. Uh, Alabama certainly had a little bit more offense, no question about that. But uh, those two teams just uh, really stuck out around the country with their uh, dominance. And then as far as the player, I- I'd have to go with uh, just the fact that Bo Nix has had so much stuff uh, – said about him and uh, you know he had his chance to play against a team that wasn't very good but still uh, impressive stats a great opener for him and maybe he's gonna have a big year so you can pick a lot of guys around the league and I'm sure Brent will pick some of them because they had some impressive stats but just because the monkey's on his back and everybody's waiting for him to do something he came out and had a very impressive opener. Brent who caught your eye? Uh, outside of what Coach was talking about, because those two, they, Bama and Georgia established themselves as the top two teams in the country uh, moving forward. But outside of that was Kentucky for me. Coach talked about the team. They were 13 months pregnant, and they, they finally looked. Now, granted, ULM, they're, they have their own issues and coming off a winless season. But still, Kentucky looked the part of an actual offense. It truly did look very Sean McVay, Rams offense-esque. And the connection between Will Levis and Wondell Robinson already hitting big. And I think that they have a lot of excitement now, especially looking forward to this game week two of SEC opener for them. How about most impressive player for you? I, it's that. It's the combo of, of Levis and, and Wondell Robinson uh, to me. Out, and Coach talked about Bo Nix. Bo Nix was 20 of 22 and had a drop. So you know, it was almost perfect on the day. But that and then maybe the only other things I would say would be A&M's running back combination that we talked about last week. Isaiah Spiller and Devin A. Chain had about 240 yards and a couple of touchdowns combined. So those guys setting the tone for their season early on. I have to echo the Alabama and Georgia sentiments. There's no other way to go in the conference. I, I will say Kentucky did catch my eye because of its offense. Tennessee also caught my eye just by the way that Heupel was playing quickly. And I think that helped the, the volunteers offense, mostly in the first quarter. It, it didn't sustain. I don't expect it to during the season as a whole, uh, but they found a little magic in game one. And, and that game was never really in doubt, I would say. Uh, and that was the first game under him. You just never know how that's going to flow. And in terms of most impressive player, I have to go right back to Georgia. And we talk about him a lot, but it's Jordan Davis and everything that's built around him on that defensive line. I know it's a unit, but there's not a guy in the country 
like Jordan Davis. And I, I think Tony Elliott said, it, I've never seen a guy, uh, Clemson's offensive coordinator, I've never seen a guy as big as Jordan Davis. I'm pretty sure he said that after the game. And yes. uh, coach, you've been beside him in person. I think we all have at some point. You really can't describe how big that guy is. Yeah, he just uh, massive and uh, he's really got quick feet. And uh, certainly we chronicle the Georgia success on our other podcasts, but a lot of great players in this league. I mean, we defensive players playing for Alabama now, just the way they swarm the ball as a unit. And I'm sure Brandon's got their grades and everything, but just a consummate unit of pass rush, underneath coverage, deep coverage, uh, rush, you know, playing the run. Um, their defense is very similar to ours with probably a little bit better secondary. I don't know if their fronts is good, but uh, they ain't a tough loss losing the, the linebacker here, so that's going to hurt them. I want to talk about the least impressive teams. I'm going to go to you, Brent, but I'm going to make a caveat here. I don't think we can pick Vanderbilt. Obviously, that's disappointing to lose in the fashion they did to ETSU. So I think we would all say that that's the least impressive performance in the league. So I'm going to make you pick someone else besides Vandy. I think it's Florida. When you look at, you know, you had the hype around Emory Jones, uh, some of it from our, from PFF a little bit, but he struggled. And, and three turnover-worthy plays, no big-time throws. Great in the running game, both him and uh, the backup, Anthony Richardson, great in the running game, explosive in the running game, but just off uh, and not what you would think to see from from a team that, that coming into that game uh, and what they should do. So it's Florida for me. Yeah, for me, it's Arkansas. Just because uh, they, they played so poorly uh, in the first half when you thought they would really have a buildup there and their defense kept them in the game and then offensively got it going a little bit better there. But uh, they're going to need a lot better performance this week. I, I was really disappointed in the way they played. But at the same time, it's the first game. They certainly got a, a, a good-looking team, but uh, you would expect them to get, get after uh, Rice. And, and the other thing we don't want to negate a little bit is, uh, you know, Ole Miss's performance was outstanding. Uh, just the fact their defense got off the field so many times was that. something that everybody – I know you told us about it, but uh, – <laughs> Going against Louisville basketball team, I think. I don't think that was the football team. I mean, I, I was really disappointed in Louisville. And another thing that disappointed me, too, Mississippi State with, with all the turnovers. I mean, it's hard to win with six turnovers, but they came, had a fabulous fourth quarter. So, you know, it's hard to chronicle everything and, and be fair to people. But without question, Florida disappointed me, too. And I hope they continue to disappoint me from Georgia's standpoint. I think I was most disappointed with LSU, but not necessarily surprised. I mean, there's some catastrophic offensive line issues uh, down on the bayou. And look, that's a tough circumstance with being displaced because of the hurricane a week before the game. Uh, but at the same time, LSU's got work to do. Otherwise, this is a coaching staff that, that may find itself on the hot seat, which, you know, they won the national title two years ago and had one of the most impressive seasons in the history of the league. And it's just gone south uh, since then. And I think last year got a largely a pass because of how much talent left. But this year, um, man, it, there's a long way to go, and they did not get off to a good start. No. 
Let's move on to uh, talking about Lane's Barbecue, and then we'll get into our games of the week here in SEC for week two. I want to read you a review. This was unprompted, so this is straight up from Ned Racing Dog over at UGASports.com. Said, I've gotten some Lane's signature rub a while back thanks to a recommendation on the chat. It became my favorite rub for the pork butts and other stuff with Roddy's promotional skills. Uh, he decided to try Lane's Barbecue Spellbound. That's what I've been telling you about. That's uh, this one right here. Spellbound, he said, it's perfect because it has just a little bit of sugar to get things caramelized. It's one of the best rubs I've ever experienced. It, and I ordered two large containers of it, one for me, one for my brother. The people at Lane's Barbecue sent him a handwritten note appreciating his business. So why not support these kinds of folks from Bethlehem, Georgia? Again, that's from Ned Racing Dog over at the vent at UGASports.com. That's the kind of people they are at Lane's Barbecue. They care about what they're doing. They care about Georgia fans, and they care about people in the state of Georgia. So that's why you should should support them coach i saw it at your house i saw you've been cooking up some stuff yeah i mean just the fact that i cook something makes you uh, understand that i gotta be real careful what i put on it because i'm not real good at uh, any of that but i'm trying to learn you know biggest room in the world room for improvement and certainly having these uh, uh my, my man brent brought me a whole contingency of different rubs and sauces and everything and i'm going to branch out a little bit more and do the rubs i'm using the sauce a little bit more than the rubs but i can tell you even though uh, i'm a, a, a not a veteran cook i can tell the difference between something good and something that's not and fortunately for me uh, we've got them sponsoring us and i'm getting a chance to use them and Brent, that, that thing about the handwritten note doesn't surprise me at all because you've met the lanes barbecue people just like i have that's just who they are Yep, it is. And then when, when we got the sponsorship, they brought the stuff to, directly to my house. And obviously, I don't live too far from where they are, but brought it directly to me, brought all the stuff. And then, hey, I distribute it and let you guys use it. And and I even got, I've even got my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law in West Virginia is hooked on it and uses it constantly. I'm probably going to share some pictures today on Twitter, just of what, some of the stuff that he's doing, because he's way more into the cooking stuff than I am. Uh, but they use it religiously and, and, and love it. What I love about them, too, go check out their Instagram feed. It'll give you ideas for your grill, your smoker. If you're cooking inside, best ways to use their sauces and rubs. That's Lane's Barbecue. Again, go to their website, 15% off with the promo code GODOGS, G-O-D-A-W-G-S. All right, guys, let's talk about the games in the SEC. As always, we'll go in chronological order. Uh, we'll go through these pretty quickly because, frankly, it's not a very impressive slate. It starts with the Auburn Tigers, a noon Eastern 11 Central kick that's on the SEC network, Alabama State at Auburn Coach. You liked what you saw from Bo Nix and Mike Bobo in week one. Yeah, I did. And I think the people going to the game just got to be prepared for the Alabama State band. It's a great band and they'll play whether they score or not. They'll play the whole time. And I did a game with Alabama State and UAB a few years ago, and I was really impressed with that band. The football team wasn't that good and the same <laughs> problem here, but uh, you'll enjoy that band. I can tell you that. So that would be the highlight of the day for me just to watch Alabama State get after it and that it, they got some real juice up, up there the way they can move the whole game. But, hey, I don't, I don't know why they're playing this game, but there's a lot of them you don't know why. But uh, certainly after this game, Auburn will probably lead the nation in rushing and passing. Uh, they're close to it anyhow. And they're going to have some really good stats here early until they play Penn State next week. And that's the big one next week. You got – and that's – it's perfect actually for Har for Brian Harson, you know, in a, as a new coach – Two little game, two games that you know for the most part that warm up type uh, style games like Auburn's defense 
had 43. You know, we thought Georgia's defense pressured Clemson a ton. Auburn's defense had twice as many quarterback pressures and almost twice as many sacks uh, against Ab- uh, against Akron uh, compared to what Georgia did to Clemson. But the Auburn's kind of interesting right now. They go up to Penn State next week. They go up there and get a dub, and they are feeling really good about themselves coming home and could possibly look at where five, there might be 5-0 and in hosting Georgia. So that, that would be interesting to see how their schedule sets up. And But I, obviously, they're going to take care of business today. I look I look forward to Auburn's first game of the season next week against Penn State. That's the way I'm looking at it with the way they're scheduled. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. Uh, also at noon Eastern, this is South Carolina at East Carolina. Coach, I saw that the Gamecocks are only a three-point favorite. I was surprised they were going on the road. This must be one of those two-for-ones. Yeah, there's some uh, variance in that. Some people have uh, East Carolina favorite. Uh, it's just uh, I, I don't know if it's – Somebody's hurt for, for South Carolina. They certainly had a lot of issues at quarterback uh, um, from the injury standpoint. But uh, Zeb Nolan came in there and got four TDs. I don't know that he ever threw for four TDs in a game at Oconee because they don't throw that much. But uh, he, I'm happy for Zeb, though. You know, he's had an up-and-down career moving around, and that's great. But South Carolina, to me, uh, got a good defensive front. Uh, but they're going to go against a team that can throw the ball. They look good against Appalachian, except for some self-destruction. And uh, this is going to be a nip and tuck game for for them. And they got to be careful about looking ahead to Georgia. I think on the road at East Carolina, that's a tough place to play. My first college game as a head coach, the freshman coach for the NC State Wolfpack, we played uh, in Greenville, North Carolina against uh, that team. And I never will forget, we won the game very easily. But in the first half, I went for it on fourth down on our own, on their uh, like 47-yard line. And my head coach, the first thing I said, after we won 69 to something, he said, why did you go for that? I mean, he, he knew me. he's a guy that really was <laughs> – he, he was on me about things. But I, that's something I'll never forget, my first game. And I did a good job, and I thought the coach was going to pat me on the back. But he said, why did you go for I said, Coach, because I felt like we could make it. We kicked that. We kicked their ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made the right call, Coach. Yeah. It worked out for you. That's for sure. This is very much a dangerous game for South Carolina, though. And, you know, when you think about – but, by the way, second highest margin, margin of victory in the SEC last week uh, were the Gamecocks. But Zed Nolan, he had four touchdown passes, but he only had a 50.2 passing grade. So, and it wasn't like it was efficient uh, from the running game. Marshawn Lloyd finally got to play the big time recruit that they had last year that hurt his knee. And they also had Zaquandre White that had a big game for them that was a former Florida State big time recruited running back, played a little bit of linebacker for Florida State, goes to Juco, and then eventually ends up in South Carolina and has himself a great game in the opener. But coach, highest graded defender for South Carolina, Jordan Birch, former five star big time recruiting target that, you know, went was choosing between South Carolina and Georgia and actually, you know, paying dividends after a up and down, not healthy year last year. Big time player. And the other thing look for in this game is Harris going to play the great back last year that, you know, came on strong and ended up being one of the leading rushers in the country, uh, has had trouble throughout fall camp being hurt. So you put him in there with a one-two punch with Lloyd and uh, they're, they're going to be pretty good. And uh, we'll see how good this team is, uh, but certainly got a lot of enthusiasm down there in Columbia around Shane Beamer and their team. 
Yeah, at the top end, I think South Carolina can out-athlete East Carolina. What I'm worried about is the overall depth on the roster, and I think that's going to plague South Carolina throughout the season. The other game at noon Eastern is uh, a, an interesting one at Rocky Top. Pitt goes up to Tennessee, Coach. Yeah, the Pitt Panthers had an easy game against UMass last week. Uh, you know, uh, UMass continues to struggle uh, trying to get their program back to, you know, just any kind of competitive nature there. But uh, that was a, just a wipeout. And, uh, you know, they got a really good uh, forcing unit. Can they put the pressure on Milton? And, uh, you know, he, he had to scramble a lot last week. And uh, sometimes I think he maybe started running too quick. But uh, that's going to be the question. Can uh, UT uh, do a good job holding the, the, this pit defense? And can they uh, – Offensively, that can can uh, Pitt continue to put points on the board against UT? I, I, you know, they had a lot of guys leave, and they're playing around the country. You hear these teams talk about the, the Tennessee transfer, the Tennessee transfer. You know, every time you cut on a, a TV, there's a Tennessee transfer plan. Uh, Oklahoma had a back, uh, North Carolina back, uh, Alabama a defensive, the two-two, a great uh, linebacker, just one after the other. So. I think it'll be an upset if UT wins, but uh, you know they are playing at home, and uh, those fans are really get behind us or getting behind the team. So I'm sure Brent's got some other ideas about it. Well, I I, I can't. I mean, I'm from West Virginia. I can't really say anything good about Pitt, right? And then that kind of goes with the territory. Uh, but no, th this game. Well, a couple of interesting things with this game. One, you had the running back Evans for Tennessee. It was the number one JUCO running back. Had a big game for them in the first game. But the quarterback, Joe Milton, the, the Michigan transfer, he didn't look like somebody who won the job. Like, it was a struggle for him. Now, the running game was there for him. But overall, it just felt like a struggle for them offensively. But as Coach will attest to, game one to game two is likely your biggest improvement uh, on the season. One other fact I thought was interesting looking through the that game and watching some of it is uh, Brandon Turnage, who the Alabama transfer that was at Georgia or said he was coming to Georgia for a second and then changed his mind, had all of five snaps uh, uh, for Tennessee on, on defense. So not someone who uh, evidently was was going to play much uh, here at Georgia. But I, I don't know that Tennessee is enough, and but Pitts defensively, I, this game is a coin flip for me. I think it's a pair of noon coin flips. It's going to get nervous both for South Carolina and Tennessee in those games. At 1 o'clock Eastern on ABC, another one of those two-for-ones, uh, Florida traveling to South Florida. South Florida's got a whole world of problems, but uh, it's still strange for me to see the Gators traveling to South Florida, Coach. That's huge for uh, to have that game at Tampa, and certainly uh, a lot of people there in the Tampa uh, area are Florida Gator fans, so they'll have an easy – I mean, this will be a this will be a sellout game, and it'll be half the people there will be for Florida. But uh, you know, South Florida just got so far to go. Uh, I watched them against NC State, just listless on offense, didn't score a touchdown, and uh, you know, gave up 45 points. So this should be a game where they can really uh, build some momentum before this Alabama game coming up. So they need to get get it straight. But I, I'm been I was impressed with their defense. I mean, they looked like they got some. Their problems on the back end settle. They look a lot better against the pass, so we'll see. But uh, I think it's going to be a, an easy win for the Gators. And what do you want to see? You want to see Emory Jones, who, like, you think about the difference between him, who had been in the system for a couple of years and now getting his opportunity to start versus Bryce Young for Alabama and the way he looked. 
like just the calm about Bryce Young for Alabama versus what Emory Jones looked like in the pocket. And that was, so you want to see big improvement from week one to week two uh, for him. How much do they use both guys uh, with Richardson and, and the running game at quarterback? I think that's, that's the thing to watch in this game. But yes, like coach said, this is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of pressure on Emory with a guy coming in and, you know, there's so many people thinking right off the bat that he's not the guy, which is not fair. And then you got a, a new guy come in there and, and be so physically imposing and, and really show a lot of potential, then uh, th that makes it even more difficult to be the quarterback. I know Coach Mullen believes in him, and certainly we, you and I have discussed his physical skills. He's got it. But there comes a point where you got to do it in a game and, and, get, and have the confidence of your own team and your coaches. And when you got a big guy like that coming in, it makes it even tougher. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. But, uh, but you know, I'm pulling for Emory because I think he deserves a shot uh, based on how much he's waited his turn. The thing that will help the Gators quarterbacks as much as anything is which weapons will emerge to fill that void that's still left there by, by Pitts and Tony from previous years. I'm curious which those guys step up, and this is the kind of game against South Florida where that can really develop. And like I said, Coach, they need it against a team like Alabama coming up soon. We talked about it on UGA Sports Live on Tuesday at 3.30. On Saturday, we have UAB at Georgia. Coach, we talked about it a lot. That This is a good team in UAB. Yeah, I'll let uh, my cohort go first here because I've talked so much about him. I don't want to use up his stuff. So go ahead and see what you got there, and then I'll fill in a little bit at the end there. Echo, echo Dane's sentiments. UAB is going to be the next, the toughest game out of the next three for Georgia. They will be, to me, infinitely tougher than South Carolina and Vanderbilt. They have a very experienced team, very experienced roster. For example, their highest-rated defender, he's 24 years old. It's his seventh season of college football, uh, Tyree Turner. You know, so – you know, you got guys who are true grown men that are on that roster. I'm going to call that a super duper senior. That was, There you go. He is a super – because he was a fifth-year senior, then a transfer, and then used the uh, extra year. So, But you got quarterback who's Tyler Johnson who's been good and been really good for UAB. And, and big big guy, strong arm. I, I, I'm looking forward to this game just because it's – obviously, we're, we're covering Georgia and we watch Georgia a lot, but still yet coming off that massive win – what do you look like in week two? What do you look like on, on the offensive line with the Rattledge injury? Do you, does Sawyer stay at left tackle or does he move somewhere and you have a new left tackle? That's what I want to see. The other thing I want to see is the how do they play offensively in this game? Because when you look at run pass distribution, Georgia was like right at 55% pass, 45% run in the first game. And that game just felt like a game where you're like, okay, if you're just going to think enough, let's just run the ball down their throat all game. And it wasn't the case. So what do you look like now week two? Do you still stay in that same mold? Or for me watching it, Coach, I don't know if you have this feeling, but I have this feeling like a Georgia needs to be more of a 2017 Georgia as opposed to 2021 Georgia with the group that they have right now. you got to kind of adjust your team with your personnel. And without the, our receivers – it's hard to be a pass-first team when you know if the, you can run the ball at least uh, better than you can throw it. So run a little bit more. Uh, you know, these instead of calling RPOs, maybe call more uh, predetermined runs. But that's just that's not up to me. That's up to Coach Smart and Coach Munkin. But I think when you analyze it, if Burton's ready to go, if Blaylock's come around now that Coach Smart said Blaylock has been cleared, but that doesn't mean he's 
game ready. But all of a sudden, you get those guys. And then Burton played, I think, 40-some plays. The other night. But uh, 81, Rosemary, St. Jack, he looked good uh, in practice. And, you know, and certainly he played a lot of snaps, too. So, But overall, it's just if your receiver core is good enough to uh, justify calling more passes, then stay with it. If not, you've got a great defense, a great kicking game, and your running game's good enough, you know, uh, take what you can and win the game. And then uh, when these other guys come back, then you, you know what we're going to have to do to beat some of these better teams. But, you know, just take what you got and uh, go with it. I said on our show uh, yesterday, know thyself, Socrates. Hey, what can we do with what we got? So, it should be a, a game where Georgia's going to get challenged, though. And the thing you got to remember, this team can run the ball good enough where their play action is going to be a lot better than what Clemson showed. Uh, Clemson got no running game. And, uh, you know, very most of their passes, as Brent showed us the week before, are behind the line. or, or I mean, their uh, runs are, you know, quick screens and bubbles and stuff. This team right here can, can run the ball, power ball, and uh, they'll uh, they'll they'll challenge Georgia some, and uh, they'll get their attention pretty quick when they come out there in the first quarter. Don't be surprised if we wake up in December and UAB is conference champions in Conference USA. I mean, they're, they're that quality. They're in. They've been in contention for it for for many years now. They're always right there at the top. But don't be surprised if you wake up and that's the case. Uh, also on Saturday, this is a three thirty Eastern kick. Texas A and M against Colorado. It is in Colorado, but not in Boulder. It is a neutral site game in Denver at Mile High Stadium. Uh, Coach A&M didn't look like it was quite as sharp as it needed to be early on in their game one. Well, we knew the Kent State. I mean, th this is a good football team. They they played the, a lot of good teams over the last couple of years. I mean, they, they really are uh, a little bit different uh, MAC team from the standpoint of you know, they're skilled players and things like that. So uh, they challenged A&M, and A&M had a new quarterback. And uh, But as Brent alluded to early on, you, you got backs like that, and you got, uh, you, you know, a defensive front that can rush the passer. You're going to be pretty good. I think Colorado uh, certainly got an easy win last week, not a very difficult opponent. But Colorado, to me, is kind of on a downward trend. They looked so bad in the bowl game against Texas, uh, had some staff – turnover there, uh, you know, in the uh, offseason. Uh, this will be a game that, to me, a and is going to assert itself, and I look for them to really get after the Buffaloes. I, I think they could, they could scald them up there in the Mile High Stadium. I would tend to agree with that. And player to watch for me this, with this one is uh, Leon O'Neill Jr., defensive back for Texas A&M, uh, who happened to actually hit me up on Twitter and say, hey, how, what were some of my numbers? And how can I get better and things like that over the offseason? So it was like, hey. And then he went and had the highest graded. He was the highest graded defender in week one, had a couple interceptions. So good for him. But I look for AM, like Coach said, to, to handle their business and, and take a very sort of efficient jump from week one to week two. That's what's going to be needed for AM to get where it wants to get to. And that's competing with a team like Alabama. That, that's going to be what the West is made of this year. Maybe Auburn's in there somewhere. Um, but we're going to be approaching uh, AM and, and Alabama time here in, in just a few weeks. Uh, I want to stop and tell you about our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm sharing a photo uh, of some of the work that they've done around the area. And this is just a, such a beautiful front yard that they got set up. Uh, this is a bit of a difficult project, I would say, because it's got that slope in the front. So you have to make sure that you get the the 
land done just the right way to be able to have the the new sod placed and then have the uh, front yard looking great and, and the flower beds in the front. Connor Grading and Landscaping, they're based out of Monroe, Georgia. Their phone number is 770-639-3149. Google it if you don't remember that. Connor Grading and Landscaping, you can see more photos of the work over on their Facebook page. Brent, you had the personal experiences at your home, so I always like hearing your experience with Connor Grading and Landscaping. Great people, great work, great work that they do, and always consistent, always very quick to respond and, and handle any and all issues that we have uh, that I've had here at the house. I've had multiple projects done from a trail to sod to any and all landscaping, everything that we had out, done outside the house. And they've been exemplary with the service and, and the work that they've done. Coach, I know you like to keep a good looking front yard. These are the people to call if you, if you need any work, all right? Exactly. Uh, I had a pre-existing condition here as far as somebody I've been using, but uh, for sure, uh, they, I was able to go out there and look at, uh, I told you on the first show, I was looking at Brent's yard and I was getting a lot of love about the way it was looked and he was telling me about what had happened and, and the service he got from, from his friends at Connor. And uh, it was unbelievable, really. I mean, I was giving him too much love, and he, he didn't do as much as I thought he did. So uh, <laughs> but, uh, he was on that board, though. He was working hard. He's mowing his grass. So uh, he's a typical West Virginia guy. They mow their own grass. Right. That's what we do, Coach. That's Nick Saban do. does too, right? Nick does. Yeah, I bet yeah. he does. I bet Nick – no, I'm, I'm, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. That's not part of the process. Hey, he could probably watch film when he does it now. It's, it's a – New kind of thing. If he, if he doesn't, he's out there telling that guy how to. Right? So, yeah. Speaking of Nick Saban, the Tide host Mercer. I don't know what to say other than uh, Mercer. You went from Point University in week one to Alabama in week two. I don't think there's a much bigger disparity in all of football. Yeah, first of all, I want to give a shout out to one of my ex-players, Drew Chronic, who's the head coach of the Mercer Bears. Very proud of Drew and his career and his family. You know, he started out early as a coach at Furman. Then he got the head job at Lenore Ryan and did a really good job, got him in the playoffs, and then took over Mercer last year in a tough situation with COVID. But, boy, uh, uh, he'll do a good job down there. But uh, when, when he had the interview for the job, I don't know if he was going to be playing Alabama this year. But uh, that that's really a total mismatch. And, Whatever money they give them for this game, they deserve it because uh, this is uh, this is going to be, you know, one of those things you just got to go through. And the players certainly enjoy having a chance to play in front of all the fans and all that. But uh, it's going to be tough on the Mercer Bears. Nothing more to say. Future SEC matchup coming at 7 o'clock Eastern time. This is a 6 Central. We have Texas and Arkansas. Coach, this is could be a little fascinating here. Yeah, you know, this game means a lot to both teams because back it goes back to the big, uh, you know, back in the Big 8 days in the Southwest Conference. Uh, you know, excuse me, not the Big 8. They never played in that. But Southwest Conference game, you know, when Coach Broyles and Coach uh, – uh, Royal playing the game of the century there for them, you know, in 1969, Richard Nixon was at the game and all that. And uh, it was unreal. But uh, I think Texas really impressed me. Their running back is just outstanding. Robinson, you know, he can really do a lot of things. And that, that helps their young quarterback card 
who, you know, threw for three touchdowns last week. They were impressive in their first game. So we'll, uh, we'll see if uh, Coach Odom's defense can slow them down. Uh, you know, when you go on the road, sometimes you don't play as good. But like Brent was alluding to, hopefully Arkansas will improve from the first week to the second. But uh, right now, I would say this would be an upset for Arkansas to win. But, they, you know, they're playing at home. And, uh, you know, K.J., the quarterback's got to play better. There's no question about that. But he's got that kind of capabilities. But uh, who you like in this game, Brent? I, th I think I like Texas just for the simple fact that, one, like you just said, K.J. Jefferson struggled game one, 52.7 passing grade. And you, to me, you can't really discount how good of a win that was for Texas against the Raging Cajuns. They are good. And they are consistently good and well-coached. And Billy Napier's always brought up as, as a sort of power five or big-time job head coach guy. So that team is always prepared and, and a difficult task to play against, because, especially because of what they do offensively. Uh, but Texas played well. Texas played very efficient. And I think they're sort of starting that climb. It'd be interesting to see what they do when they get into conference play. But Arkansas, you know, like Coach said, does your quarterback play better? Week one to week two, how much do you improve? Uh, shout out Joe Fouché that we talked about last week was their highest graded defender in week one. Had a good game himself, but I, I agree. I think Texas is going to be probably just a little bit better, but it's going to be a fun game to watch and a fun game to see. See, but Like Dane said, future SEC matchup. We know Arkansas is a physical team, so I think this is probably a matchup that Steve Sarkeesian will welcome for Texas to see if back-to-back -back weeks, if they can kind of – rise up to to play a team that's going to be physical in the trenches and if that's the case then maybe texas is on the way back because that's really been i think one of the fatal flaws for the longhorns in recent years yeah i was surprised uh with texas defense you know that's been a nemesis for them but they they uh as we keep talking about uh these d different openers and people around the country that really don't know louisiana's football team uh, th this is a top 35 team in my, I mean, if you go around the country in any level, uh, there's a lot of teams that can't beat that team and they're, they're extremely well coached and they do a good job uh, with their offense. So that for them to put the squelch on them like that, uh, Texas, I, I know this, some of my friends in Oklahoma who always are counting on winning that big 12, they're a little bit more worried about Texas than they normally were. That's for sure. After watching the Longhorns last week. Your friends in Oklahoma may be a little nervous, but your friends at NC State, I think they're pretty excited about their uh, first game coach. The Wolfpack go to Mississippi State this week for an ACC-SEC matchup. Pack might be back. I mean, come on, 45 to nothing. I mean, they really looked good there in Carter-Finley Stadium last week, and I had a chance to watch them. Um, impressed with their defense. Uh, offensively, they, they do some good things. And, uh, you know, they're playing against a team that, what, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I mean, the team's down 21 points in the fourth quarter and comes back and wins at home uh, after six turnovers. So we've got that kind of potential with Will Rogers. Uh, you know, he can do a lot of things, but it's hard to sustain a, a win when, you, when you're throwing the ball to the other team and, and turning it over like they did. So um, State's going to be in for a rude awakening listening to all those cowbells. So they haven't been around that kind of situation now. I mean, tough place to play. And, uh, you know, they need the fans on their side instead of being down, you know, with uh, – I'm talking about Mississippi State. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see how the uh, bullies do here. I, I, got, a, I got a feeling that, that the Leach got their attention. And uh, 
I'm, I'm going to pick, the, as much as I hate it, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs to win that game. I'm actually going to go the opposite way, Coach, because Ooh. I had my uh, our offensive and defensive line coach, Mr. James Argo, for uh, for our youth football team, is a massive Wolfpack fan and is feeling really good about his team right now and, and loving the experience that they have. And he, he is – I am going with him this week. I think NC State goes down there and gets a victory. Hey, I feel good about them too, but I've seen this team fold like an accordion before, so I, we'll have to see. If they can get this one – then they're going to be in a mix there in their division because North Carolina looked uh, woeful protecting the quarterback. So, but uh, just get over the hump here. I like, I'm pulling for the Packers, no question about that. But uh, I, I think Mississippi State's better than they showed. I'd go with Mississippi State as well. I've seen teams all the time that they have that resilient moment where they were probably going to lose a game that they shouldn't. They come back and they find a way to win it, and they become a better team because of that. We'll see if that happens for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. I'm limiting you guys to seven seconds on this game because I think that's what it warrants. Austin P. at Ole Miss, we saw what the Rebels have. Their offense puts teams in conflict all the time. I love watching it. That's all I got. It's going to be – not only ugly, it's going to be very ugly. It's like that guy that I had, that I knew that had a prearranged marriage that uh, from a lady in, in Japan. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I said, well, uh, hey, what does she do? And he told me, I said, well, how does she look? She said, he said, she's ugly. She's very ugly. <laughs> well, this could be a very ugly game here. We do have an SEC matchup on the schedule this week. This is 7.30 Eastern time on SEC Network. Missouri at Kentucky. We'll see if the Wildcats continue that offense. It looked different, Coach. Yeah, here's a game that uh, it's kind of, uh, bore, uh, you know, really a burr in Coach Stoops' uh, saddle. Uh, losing to the, uh, Missouri like they did last year. Uh, just Missouri really got after them, and uh, Missouri – Got some running game to go with their passing game. Uh, you know, the uh, and they did a good job rushing the passer against Central Michigan, too. Uh, um, it's kind of interesting. Central Michigan's coach, I've never heard of a coach missing a game for appendectomy, but uh, certainly I'm glad that Coach McElwain's okay. But, you know, it hurts them without having your offensive coach, uh, the guy that calls the plays. And uh, certainly he, uh, 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 Coach uh, McElwain, I hope he gets better. But, this game, to me, is going to boil down to which quarterback can take care of the ball because both teams are pretty decent on defense. And I'd like to see uh, Kentucky continue to show that offensive firepower that uh, we knew they might have. Uh, and and uh, Coach Rollins there did a good job of telling us what their potential was last week when he was analyzing their offense. It was, it was fun to see, like if you're, especially if you're a Kentucky fan. Like just, hey, this we're actually – taking play action, deep shots, attacking teams down the field, all over the place. Will Levis had 637 career passing yards in two seasons at Penn State. He had 367 uh, last week. Now, granted, uh, UOM was not necessarily the competition, but and that's one thing that I think that's interesting for me with this game is you have two somewhat comparable teams. Kentucky is a little stronger along the offensive line, but Missouri played a very difficult opponent. For that, like for and it's tough opponent and someone that tested them in week one. Central Michigan was good and is a good football team. Kentucky did not. And how much of that does that show up in week two? But the interesting thing for me is Kentucky, by the way, from a numbers perspective, the highest graded overall team grade in all of week one uh, from from PFF. So wow, some of the things that they did, they did quite efficiently, quite well, especially in the passing game. 
and this is just going to be a fun game to watch. I do, th- I do think Kentucky pulls it out there at the end, at, being at home. Important. Yeah, you, look at your, you look at the going into a game uh, defensively, defending against Kentucky the last couple of years. I mean, you just work all week, stopping the run, stopping the run, uh, daring the pass, and now. And, and people had a hard time stopping the run without their ability to throw the football. Now you add in, the, as uh, we're talking about, the play action stuff and the, the different kind of uh, stuff that uh, that the Rams do that they've brought to their offense. Uh, you know, it worries me. I mean, uh, it worries me about uh, uh, any team playing them uh, that I'm pulling for because I think that, that we know they've got that lunch pail, hard-nosed defense, and they play – tough, aggressive football, but you just can't win a lot of games in the SEC without a passing game. And they, they were still able to go to bowls and do a lot of things. But but now they might be, to me, this game right here. And Florida's got to step up too. But this is definitely to show who the third best team in the East is, maybe the second best. Exactly what I was going to say. This is kind of a top contender kind of a matchup early in the year. Whatever happens in the games between Missouri and Florida and Kentucky when they all play each other, whoever wins those two is going to be that top contender in the East. And I think they're all going to be competitive because they all have some offensive firepower as well. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one of the Orgerons is going to get a win for the first time this season as McNeese plays at LSU. It is Ed Orgeron and the Tigers losing their first game to UCLA. McNeese lost its first game to West Florida, and now it's a coach going against his son, the starting quarterback for McNeese. LSU is going to win this game. I think we all agree on that, but uh, LSU's got some work to do, coach. Definitely need – they need some transfers or need something to happen with their offensive line. I mean uh, – Felt bad for Max Johnson running for his life out there. He even had to throw one behind his back during the game. I don't think I've ever seen one like that. Fortunately, it wasn't intercepted. But And then defensively, you know, they got the new defense, but, boy, they got pummeled. Uh, a very aggressive uh, UCLA team on both sides of the ball. Looked like Chip Kelly's got it humming out there. So, uh, I'm just going to tell you, before the game, Coach O's going to go up to his son and say, hey, son, you got to take it easy on your papa. said, you want that new car? Don't do any touchdown passes. <laughs> and then he's going to tell. Then he's going to say, "Go Tigers!" Right? Go Tigers! Go Tigers! He's say, "Go Tigers!" He needs to get "Go Tigers." That's for sure. So when you look back at LSU over the past five or six seasons, outside of three games against Alabama where they were pummeled by Alabama, that was their lowest graded game mm-hmm. outside of those three games against Alabama. So one of the worst performances that they've had over the past five or six years. And they got you know, they're going to get right this week. They're going to feel good about themselves this week. But they got you know Auburn in a couple of weeks. They, life, life is going to get interesting for LSU very quickly. That, and just I think that's going to be an issue that might be a combustible situation if you don't if you don't get things right and, and get some confidence. We got a situation there, and, and that uh, it's pretty obvious. You got Alabama A and M's right there and then we got some teams there that are really on the on the come mississippi uh, auburn maybe and uh boy all of a sudden lsu you better get your ass in here man because those are some good football teams and then you got arkansas and mississippi state very capable so that whole western division from uh three on down is going to be a donnybrook 
I mean, yeah, it, it's just relentless in the SEC West. Uh, Brent, you mentioned one of the worst games. Uh, I think we have to say that about Vanderbilt as well. That's our last game in the SEC this week. Vanderbilt goes to Colorado State, a 10 p.m. Eastern kick. So I guess that's uh, 8 p.m. out in the mountains. Can we just not talk about Vanderbilt ever again until they win? No. <laughs> This is the pillow fight of the week, though. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Colorado State, uh, who lost last week inexplicably, uh, and they haven't done hardly anything under this new coach. So uh, maybe Vandy can go out there and get in another time zone and, uh, you know, love the, the mountain uh, air and all that. But uh, this, this game right here is we used to have this on ESPN. A pillow fight of the week, two teams that are just fighting for their life. And uh, hopefully, and I'm not making, I guess that's bad to say it like that, but it, it is going to be two of the bottom feeder teams and of the whole uh, FBS. I mean, just really low teams. Well, not to belabor the point, but like when you look at Vanderbilt losing to ETSU in the fashion that it did, where they gain as many yards but don't score points. I start to wonder how many teams in the state of Tennessee are better than Vandy because it may be up to like five or six if that's the case. Well, if you include Carson Newman, you got Middle Tennessee State, Carson Newman, uh, Tennessee. Frank uh, Delfer's high school team. <laughs> yeah, that team scoring a lot of points. But, you know, the thing about East Tennessee, give Randy Sanders the credit. I mean, they only started football four years ago. They, they didn't even have a football team. So, impressive. Very impressive. Uh, Brent, I, I don't think we have anything else to add on Vandy. So, uh, guys, I'm going to make you pick uh, your upset of the week or at least the team that should be on upset alert from these SEC uh, matchups. I'll give you mine first and give you a second to think about it. I'm looking at South Carolina. I think they're in trouble at, at East Carolina. I know I said that's almost a pick em game, so maybe you don't say it's an upset. But, look, I promise you if in the second game of Shane Beamer's era, if it's a loss to East Carolina, that's just not going to sit well on Columbia. Oh, you got I, I'll say I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Wolfpack. Like I said, I think I think the Wolfpack beat Mississippi State. Is Mississippi State favored? That's a great question. I'll look up a line on that real fast while you're talking, Coach. Upset of the week, so uh, I'm gonna pick the Mercer Bears. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I gotta go with Drew Chronic big. No, uh, I, I'm gonna go with you. I'm going to East Carolina just because. Uh, I think East Carolina playing at home is a tough out for South Carolina, and uh, I'm, I'm going to pick East Carolina too. Looking up a uh, odds for Mississippi State and NC State, I'm seeing NC State favored by two and a half. So, I mean, that's close enough to tell you that depending well, on where he, he, He's trying to use all his insider information from his D-line coach and all that, so we, we give him credit. I mean, not many people would do a show like this and go interview one of your coaches on your little league team to get some of your scoop. But hey, boy, that, that's my guy for NC State. Brett works it hard now. I mean, he goes. He, I never know where his next deal is. I'm. He's got all these stats from Pro Football Focus and all these people that he knows. But when he can go to a little league D line coach for a big pig, I like it. That's the way to go. <laughs> Coach, I don't want to know who all you called when you were coaching to, to try to find any information you could because I bet that phone was ringing off the hook for people. Hey, what do you know about this team over here? Did you see this quarterback before? Hey, well, you got plenty of ideas from people, you know, uh, for sure. And uh, the only thing I know is when I got the Oklahoma job, I was staying at a, at a uh, Marriott 
uh, there and right there and spent, stand there the whole semester, like the last three months. And so I, the first day I was going to the office and I stopped by 7-Eleven there, give me a Dr. Pepper or whatever I got. You know, I don't drink coffee. And uh, these two guys were over there in the corner and talking. And they said, what do you think of that new offensive coordinator at uh, Oklahoma? And he said, well, I don't know much about him. And the other guy said, well, he better get his ass in gear pretty quick. We ain't going to put up with much very long. So, I mean, I, so, I mean I'm in 7-Eleven, man. I knew that these people talking about me before I even called one game. Not much has changed. That is the status of college football, that's for sure. All right, this has been Around the League from UGASports.com. It is possible because of the support of Lane's Barbecue in Bethlehem, Georgia, and Connor Grading and Landscaping out of Monroe, Georgia. Support those people. Support the people that support us uh, to make it where we can do what we do, and we do this show for you, for Brent Rollins, and for the Hall of Fame head coach, Jim Donnan. I am Dane Young. We'll see you next week here on Around the League.